Remember this, O Lord, how great enemies cause, and the foolish people reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beasts. Do not forget the life of your poor fork ever. Let not the dumb one turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Have regard for the covenant. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Remember your congregation which you have purchased of all, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in God, you have commanded us to pray and have promised to hear us. 
Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may direct and govern our hearts in all things, that we may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, recorded on the reverse side of your service folders. The Old Testament lesson from the 55th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson from the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, You will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with the singing of the hymn response. Thank you. 
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. The same day Jesus went out of the house, and he sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and he sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil, and produced rain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, and yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, We confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is from Matthew, the 13th chapter. You heard it read a moment ago. It's the parable of the sower and the soil and the seed. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus, not all ground is good for growing, but some ground is great for it. Consider the Middle Eastern region known today as the Fertile Crescent. Coined the Fertile Crescent by a a University of Chicago archaeologist around 1900, this crescent-shaped region extends from the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea northward and above the, the northern border of the Syrian desert and then back down again southward, curving toward the Persian Gulf, forming a a crescent, hence the name Fertile Crescent. And its soil lives up to its name because its soil is among the richest in the world, or at least it was. As satellite images now indicate to us that these rich and historically, very historically significant Mesopotamian marshlands are drying up and disappearing. But some others would would claim the world's richest soil. Some would claim that central Chernovsim, or the Black Earth region of Russia, is now the king of cultivation, boasting them, they, the residents there, boasting that it has the world's richest soil. While this is perhaps news to some of you, it was to me when I found out about that, many of you Midwestern transplants know well that even in our own United States, The rich soil of the Minnesota and Dakota Red River Valley has long been known to be some of the best ground for growing on the planet. We don't have to travel to to Mesopotamia or to Russia, even to Minnesota, though, to stand upon world-class soil. You're sitting on it. You're sitting on it right now, once known as the Valley of the Heart's delight for its soil. This fertile soil of our own Santa Clara Valley is among the best there is. And it has, through the years, provided the perfect conditions for agricultural yield. And the baskets of our backyard abundance, so often shared among church members, the apricots and the peaches and the pears and the plums and prunes and oranges and figs and lemons and you name it, it's the evidence of that which once defined this valley. It's the evidence of the good ground for growing that's still underneath our feet. Not all soil is good for growing, but some, some ground is great for it. Biblically, it would seem the case too, wouldn't it? It would seem that way biblically too as we consider our text for today and the the parable for the day, seed cast by the divine sower onto men's hearts, and some, some seed falls by the way, says our Lord, and is devoured. It falls onto rocky and shallow soil and it's scorched. It falls among thorns, stifled. Yet some falls into good ground, fertile soil, and it takes deep root and it grows and it bears much fruit. Some ground is good for growing, but not all is suitable. Why is that? Because that's the question of the day, I think. Why is that? 
Why is the parable plainly depicts? Why does the word which God the sower casts abroad only sometimes fall upon favorable ground? Now, there are many, unfortunately and mistakenly so, many who account for the difference here in an imagined predisposition in some men's hearts toward the the positive reception to God's word in the, in the same way that the fertile crescent soil is from the start and by its very makeup and natural condition more favorable to the seed growing in it than Sahara desert sand might be. There are some you see who would claim that some hearts are naturally more receptive, naturally more favorable and open to God's word than others or at least by some, to some degree, By some degree of free will in the human heart, one can cultivate or condition his heart or his life to be more receptive to that gospel word sown. You know, some would even attempt to quantify it, this imagined receptivity. In a 2004 article of the Harvest Times online, Korean columnist Kong Hee describes the Rainer Scale. Maybe you've heard of it, the Rainer Scale. A product of a research team led by Tom Rainer, which rates behavioral gospel receptivity in people. It features a scale of five different faith stages. So they say U1 to U5, U standing for unchurched. The columnist reports. That U5 means that one is highly resistant to the gospel, quote, highly resistant to the gospel, demonstrating an antagonistic attitude toward it. U3, as we move along the spectrum, describes one who exhibits no apparent receptivity, neutral, perhaps open to discussion. U1, all the way to the other side of the spectrum, so the columnist reports. U1 is applied to those who who seem to be highly receptive to the gospel, as like the Philippian jailer. End quote. Now, to be fair, this research team doesn't claim to know men's hearts, only to, to gauge people's behavior. Friends, any attempt to account for growth of the gospel seed in some hearts and not in others by assuming a natural, more favorable gospel receptivity in some hearts more than in others simply doesn't fit the biblical picture the natural human heart. Biblical truth, the biblical picture, it's this, that there are no fertile crescent hearts. By birth and nature, there are no spiritual red river valleys where naturally the ground is just plain good for growing the seed that's sown and falls there. All soil samples of men's hearts read the same. The biblical truth of it Hearts of stone. That's what Ezekiel says. By nature, hearts of stone, stony hearts that remained naturally so unless God changed. The biblical truth, Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful. Deceitful above all and desperately wicked. And Moses says that the natural inclinations of it are are evil even from youth. That's a stony, rocky picture of men's hearts. 
The biblical truth, hearts naturally thorny, thick with greed, overgrown with the thistles of evil, evil thoughts. And adulteries and fornications and lewdness and pride, these are the things, says Christ. Remember, he said it in the book of Mark. These very things he said in returning to us our, our soil sample of every man's heart. These are the very things that naturally spring up from the hearts of men. The heart, it's a naturally hostile condition. All hearts to the sown seed. So what makes some ground good for growing then? Only the work of the sower. God the Holy Spirit who blows where, and where He wills. Only the work of the sower readies sinful soil for the seed. God the grower takes His convicting word to the soil and He turns it over and around, ultimately so that we despair of ourselves and all that we might do for our salvation, to be right before God. He breaks up the stone, softens the ground of naturally hard hearts, tills the soil, conditions these hearts of ours. Sometimes he doesn't violently, doesn't he? With his law, with his biblical spade of conviction, he unearths all of our flaws so that we stand before the mirror of His law and know just what we are and how inadequate we are. And with the hammer of God, He crushes rocks of resistance until the stones of self-confidence are all crushed and crumbled. And he prepares this ground. And He creates, as we sing, He creates in me a clean heart. And He makes it soil-suited for growing. And He alone makes hearts once hostile into hearts receptive to His sown seed. You see, in this parable, Jesus describes for us not the initial state. That's where so many are misled here. Not the initial state, does He describe, of the soil to receive, of this, the sown seed. But no, in fact, he describes not the initial state, but he describes the final fate here of his word cast far and generously and wide upon the hearts of men. The vantage point is so important, not the initial state, but the final fate of that seed sown. And boy, is it true, isn't it? It's true. Despite the lavishly generous dispersion of this gospel, this saving gospel message, that's sown. And we picture in our minds as we imagine the, the, the sower in the parable, almost indiscriminately he's sowing it generously and broadly. But despite it, the fact does indeed remain, as Christ reports to us, that, that it does all too frequently fall by the way, as it were. And even before it makes its home in the soil and takes root, even... Indeed, before the sown seed settles in, the devilish birds come and they snatch it away. Isn't that the case so often? It's a common tragedy. Replayed daily in homes and at work and, and school. Wherein at home and work and school, wherein conversations there. Wherein these conversations, humanity's most excellent news 
is shared. Christ come here for us and for our salvation. This most excellent news is shared from one to another. But even before that sown seed settles, the devil immediately swoops in and he diverts attention. Promotes apathy. Encourages the mind to wander into anything else. The things of the day, perhaps. The things of yesterday. Encourages the mind to wander into and settle upon anything else but what's just been sown. Indeed, our own experience, our own experience in the pew or in the biblical study reminds us how swift he does fly down and descend on that which is cast from lectern and pulpit from the pages of Scripture. You consider those, those little birds. Think about the little birds. And you yourself know watching them how keenly watchful the little bird can be. Waiting for the seed to fall. And so you too be, be on guard. You be watchful as well. You in whom the word has indeed taken root. For blessed are those who hear the word of God and who guard it. That it might not be snatched away. And your crown taken with it. The final fate of the seed sown. If the birds don't get it, sometimes the scorching sun too will be its final fate. But recall not before it fell on the the shallow, the rocky ground and warmed by the sun. It did immediately spring up, as Christ says. And so it is with some. They receive the good news, as you heard in in the gospel reading. They receive it with joy. But then because the word created faith's not taken deep root in them, not regularly cultivated and nourished by gospel word and, and sacrament regularly used, that under the intense heat of life's noonday sun, Matthew uses the word thlipsis, pressing, intense heat of persecution and tribulation. Specifically the persecution that we know because of our Christian convictions. Under the intense heat of that noonday sun, Christ says that so many times it's scorched and it is no more. But you, by grace, you're deeply rooted. You're deeply rooted. Your life is rooted in the knowledge and continually fed And nurtured by the knowledge that God spared not His own Son for you. Not His own Son for you, but gave Him up for us all. And this He did so that fallen man's cursed ground, your cursed ground, and mine too, could once again be the garden ground of paradise. That's why He did it. The redemption price was high, you know that. It cost him his son's crucified life. The exchange was most unfair. Your hell becomes his so that his heaven would become yours. But even so, even so, it pleased the father to spare not his own son. And friend, if he spared not his own son for you, even his own son for you, you know that he'll certainly give you all the grace that you need. And the strength that you need to endure under tribulations, noonday sun. Do you know each time that that promise is reconfirmed to you? 
by the word preached or heard or read, by the sacrament of, of Christ's forgiveness applied to you, that seed each time, that seed grows deeper and is more firmly rooted in you and you in Him. Birds and tribulations heat, they've been the final fate of myriads sown seeds. So too have life's thorns. For many a seed has fallen among them, and you know their final fate there. The thing is, Christ's word begins heaven's forgiven reality right now, but it doesn't promise glory until later. But tragically, how many million times over have the anxious cares of the here and now and the deceiving allure of glory, glory today, stifled and finally choked the patient growth of a seed that in due time would have blossomed into eternal bloom. The word implanted. Now that's how James describes that which has taken root in you. The word implanted, baptismally watered, and daily refreshed as daily you recall the everlasting longevity of God's baptismal commitment and promise to you. Enriched in Christ and by Christ, that's how Paul describes it. Word implanted, word watered, word enriched, we grow in Christ as naturally we would grow toward the sun's light. The new man of faith sprouting out of that divinely cultivated soil and yearning toward the light and the grace that emanates from God's Son. And friend, wherever and in whatever vocation you've been planted, don't be surprised at all to see faith Faith watered and nurtured by the sun's light. Don't be surprised to see faith bear fruit. Whether a father, employer, worker, child, whatever, wherever you've been planted, don't be surprised to see faith bear its fruit. For as a new creation, we've been created to do just that very thing. Just that very thing, however many fold God would give us to bear. At one time, and many of you know this and can recall it, at one time, one could stand and look over this valley and, and see fruit tree after fruitful tree thriving in the valley's rich soil. Today, though the orchards are all but gone, one will still see, but here yet only with eyes of faith, one will still see seeds and souls thriving, even here today, thriving, rooted in Christ, enriched by His grace, growing up in His word and sacraments. God grant to each of us growth until the harvest of heaven takes us to our eternal home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Turn unto you void, but will accomplish that for which you send it. To that end, bless your church with your word throughout the world. Where she is found faithful to it, encourage her, strengthen her, cause her to bear fruit as she boldly confesses Christ in every time and place. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Where she is in error and trusts in human designs and devices to sustain her and restore her. We ask that you would restore her by the very word of the cross, wherein she is forgiven, and the sacramental fruit of the cross by which that forgiveness is delivered. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In the face of the conflict and crisis that continually erupt around the world, grant wisdom to the leaders of the nations, that they may successfully address the challenges of our times. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our President and Congress and courts of our land, that we may be ruled wisely and judged fairly for the armed forces of the nation, that they would protect us through their service abroad, for all who patrol our borders and those who enforce our laws in our states and cities and towns, and those who protect us from fire and flood and help those whose homes have been destroyed by natural disaster, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are gainfully employed, and for those who employ them, that they may be honest and productive laborers in business and industries. For the unemployed, that they may find suitable work. And for all who, because of illness or age, are unable to work, that they may receive the assistance of a caring and compassionate nation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the elderly, for all who are in nursing homes, for those who are in need, of care for chronic illnesses, especially your servants Vernon Lee and Paul Duell and Dick and Elsie Munch, that in their weakness they may, through faith in Christ, know that you hear and answer them when they cry, Abba, Father, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who are ill, for those preparing for surgery, especially Hugh Ryan, who undergoes surgery this Wednesday, for those who are recovering from it and all who are receiving therapy of any kind, that your goodwill would be accomplished through those who serve them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those grieving the death of loved ones and for those who are daily at the side of loved ones preparing to die, that you, O Father, would lift us up from the depths of sorrow, sustain us through the valley of the shadow of death until we are born home to those who have gone before us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Accept a gracious Father, the prayers of thanks offered by those celebrating special anniversaries of marriage, especially your servants Bill and Cleota Woolman and Donovan and Mary Byer. You have surrounded them with daily goodness. You've granted them 60 years of life together as husband and wife. You have faithfully blessed them with that divine love that transcends all human love. In gratitude for these six decades of blessings to each couple, let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, have mercy. Giving thanks for the saints who have gone before us and now know fully what for us is yet to be, that we may confess Christ boldly also in our generation, even as they did in theirs, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the Almighty God, grant to your church your Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes down from above, that your word may not be bound, but rather have free course and be preached to the joy and the edifying of Christ's holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve you, and in the confession of your name abide unto the end, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.